This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and UpSnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs. A fresh look at astrology shaped by channeled wisdom on the soul and its human journey. Enjoy inspirational insights on how to change karma and make changes for the better. And now, here's Tom. Hey there, welcome to The Soul's Journey. This is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. And I have an interesting grab bag show for you uh, today. Just watching myself the last few days think about certain topics in different ways. And so I'm just kind of collecting a bunch of them bunch of them here. You're going to hear a little bit about uh, three celebrity charts, people who had birthdays this last week, including two people who have a birthday on the exact same day and are very well known, uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Oliver Stone, uh, as far as being in film. So I'll just discuss a little bit about their Pluto's. And I'm also going to look at um, Lance Armstrong's chart and kind of this uh, the arc of his uh, – uh, fame and the notoriety and kind of, you know, what he's been well known for. Again, looking at his, uh, his Pluto story. Um, also, let me appeal to my notes. Um, yeah, and then I'm going to talk about, uh, Mars and Sagittarius now, square Neptune and Pisces as a current event. And then, uh, I'm going to spend some time looking at Pluto and Virgo opposing Chiron and Pisces as a natal signature. Most of the people born in the 1960s have this. Uh, signature and play. Uh, so anyway, so I'm going to go into that. First, with the announcements, um, the daily calls in October, I'm getting psyched up for. These are energy work slash channeling slash meditation calls where, and they're 20 minutes long each from 6 p.m. to 6.20 p.m. Pacific, obviously 9 Eastern. And uh, I embody a frequency. I carry the frequency during that time of the Ascended Master I work with, Jehudi, also known as Thoth, St. Germain, and Merlin, and also the that of Archangel Metatron. And I ask you to relax into that and let them affect you, and people start to have changes that happen if they do you know, more than a few calls. I've heard some from some people who did just two or three calls uh, in August when we did this every day for 31 days, uh, and they didn't have profound effect. But if you do... 7, 10, 15, if you do a bunch of them, you start to have these deeper effects because you're stepping up to this space every day to decide that you're willing to be open to receiving this support and transformation and change. So it's very exciting stuff. Well, in August, it was all about the live calls. In October, you can do the live calls and or you can get all the MP3s. It's for 22 days, the 1st through the 22nd. I'm thrilled to be offering this because I know that with a daily practice, if you if you walk up to that place and you decide on a daily basis that you are willing to let stuff go that doesn't work for you, you're willing to open to support, to find out how your guides already participate in your life, and you're willing to clear out stuff, you're willing to open your heart every day and give your brain, um, you know, s- s- kind of demote it from dictator for life to helpful advisor, organizer, scheduler, you will have changes. So. Uh, early bird registration for this is open through Saturday the 20th, just a few more days. Today's the 17th. 
Um, that's 180. After that, it's 195. But even at 195, it's a fantastic deal because you're going to have the MP3s, even if you can't make the calls. So you can do this every day, even if that particular moment in time uh, isn't open on your schedule. So it's very exciting. I'm thrilled to do it. I got great feedback from the last time from a lot of people who did it. And uh, I'm looking to do it again. We're going to do it in October. For myself, I did have a profound experience in shifting out of some frustration, frustratability, and just the kind of patterns of mind that aren't helpful. And uh, that was kind of my experience. Uh, I've talked in previous shows the last few weeks about those experiences. You can also go to my blog at tdjacobs.com and read about uh, my chronicle. And there are a handful of videos on YouTube that I created during the month, during August, and talked about the process and my own experience. So that's that's the big thing. Early bird registration open till Saturday the 20th or through the end of the 20th. And then uh, if you hear this later and you want to do this, you can sign up later and get all the MP3s. So don't think it's a past event if you're hearing this later. Lots more people hear this as a podcast after the fact. So the other announcement is I'm still on a little bit of a vacation in Portland, Oregon, and I'm doing two events. The first one's tomorrow in Vancouver, Washington, at uh, 7.30 p.m. at Celestial Awakenings. Uh, two hours, two-hour event, probably about an hour and a half of the meditation. But we're going to talk, and I'm going to introduce the things and tell people what to expect and, and uh, do some Q&A afterward. Uh, and then Saturday, September 20th, in Northeast Portland at 3 p.m., at the People's Yoga on Northeast Killingsworth. And it's going to be the same kind of event, but if you're in this area uh, and you go to each of them, you will have a great benefit from each. So they're both heart-opening, grounding meditations, but there'll be a little bit of different focus just based on who shows up. And as the audience changes, uh, the beings always adjust things accordingly, and afterward people say, I think they were talking to me. And so we're going to do the same – it's the same title – and the flyer is almost the same, but um, but we're gonna we're gonna mix it up, I'm sure. So that's uh, tomorrow, the 18th, in Vancouver, Washington, 7:30 p.m. at Celestial Awakenings, and uh, at the People's Yoga at 3 p.m. on Saturday, the 20th, off of Northeast Killingsworth. I'm really excited to do these. I'm feeling drawn to do this, to not just do these major 90-minute uh, phone events where people can call in and get the MP3 later. Uh, but beyond the 20 minute daily calls, beyond a daily practice, like I'm also called to do events in person where I can walk around the room and target individual people who've opted to receive energy work and do a little bit of adjustment to get, uh, as many people as possible, as many people as are willing, uh, calibrated to the frequencies of the Ascended Master and the Archangel, uh, that I'm working with. Because when you do that, negativity goes away. Your, your limiting beliefs start to distance themselves from you. You're not as attached anymore. You can be less reactive and frustrated. You can understand more about what's happening. So the daily practice is perfect, and that's the October calls thing. But then also these events, I'm drawn to do this. So as you hear about my travel schedule developing over the next few months, uh, realize that everywhere I go, just about, I'm going to be doing these kinds of events. So, so that is very... That is very exciting. And then so that leads me to uh, – and I'm not sure if I talked about it last week on the show, but I'll be at uh, the Body, Soul, and Spirit Expo in Vancouver, British Columbia, the other Vancouver, the bigger one, um, 
October 24th through 26th. I'll be doing talks. I'll have a booth. I'll be doing readings. I'll have crystals there, charged crystals. And you can ask me questions about my work and check out books and all kinds of things. And I am doing uh, a two-hour workshop, which will be one of these meditation events at the at the event. And then I'll be there for a few more days, available for readings and probably some other uh, events uh, as well uh, to be uh, determined, to be decided. Um, you know, when you set when you set intentions. And when you decide that you're open to receiving support and help, uh, you know, things and uh, situations and people come out of the woodwork. You say, oh, I would love to help you with that. I'm having that experience now with uh, one, the place that I'm staying in right now. Um, there, there are a number of people. It's almost kind of like a boarding house kind of setup. It's kind of interesting. A woman, the woman who owns it just rents the rooms out for temp- on a temporary basis. And uh, two of the people staying here uh, are a couple, and, and the man is originally from that area. And knows people who would probably, he says, love to put on events with me. So, so very exciting to make that contact, you know, a month before I'm going up there uh, to Vancouver, BC. So, uh, those are the announcements. Uh, just, I'm really drawn to be traveling right now. I'm drawn to uh, come and to, you know, come to different areas and meet people and do this energy work, do these events in person to activate more of your your inner wisdom, frankly, to allow it to come out. After releasing and calibrating, uh, you know what you don't need anymore and what's left. So, really exciting stuff. I'm, I'm probably going to be in San Francisco before the end of the year as well uh, to do events like this too. Very excited about that. So those are the announcements. And uh, yeah, I'm actually on vacation, so I, I I'm told by people I talk with regularly that I sound much more relaxed. And when I did the show last week, I actually felt, I mean, honestly, a bit like a loose cannon. Like I wasn't sure what I was going to do next because my Sagittarius, Moon, Mercury, Neptune was just flowing, was just relaxed and flowing. I had no idea what was going to happen. And I kind of felt a little um, out of control, but I realized that was just because I was actually relaxed. <laughs> so uh, for those of you who pay attention to locational astrology, sometimes called astrocartography, but I think we can call it locational astrology and get a lot more out of it, frankly. Um, you know, outside that particular that particular download or that particular system. Um, Tucson for me is a Gemini midheaven, and it moves my ninth house to the tenth. So my Saturn and Vesta in Gemini in the ninth house natally, a straddle the midheaven in Tucson. So there's like a lot of emphasis on work. The show is a product of that. This show. Um, 15 books and two ebooks, you know, like, you know, tons of, of productivity in the five years that I've been in Tucson. And then you change gears. And I, if, if I come up to anywhere for, well, it, the, this, the line, the Neptune IC line runs through, uh, for me, San Francisco, Portland, Seattle, Vancouver. So this part of the country to which I'm very drawn right now, uh, has this Neptune IC influence and that's very quiet. And it's this relaxed energy. So anyway, so that's what I'm experiencing. I'm experiencing a Neptunian softening, which is really great. It's kind of sometimes hard to do the math and the organization. And somebody says, hey, are you available Tuesday at 10? And I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure. Let me look at my calendar. I look at it and I'm second guessing. So it's very Neptunian kind of not sure about details, but uh, the work is going well. You know, everything is actually going well when I'm doing it because it's all Neptune work anyway. So anyway, that's where I am. That's uh, what's going on. I'm really, really enjoying that. Um, so let's actually kind of start the show. So Mars temporarily, right, currently in Sagittarius, transiting the sign of expansion, the planet of action, 
transiting the sign of making things bigger, exploration, far-reaching uh, travel, this kind of thing. And uh, it's been there for a few days. And it's basically as soon as it enters Sagittarius this time around, it's going to begin the process of applying in square to transiting Neptune, which is retrograding in Pisces at about five and change. And I actually did look up the detail of when this is going to be exact, and it's uh, Sunday the 21st is when they're both about five and a half degrees of Sagittarius Pisces. So when when Mars enters Sagittarius, you have the urge to act, right? After the uh, being in Scorpio, which is about the in, this internal underneath process, where action may actually be seemingly more internal, now it's external, Sagittarius. And so you have this urge to do. And the square to Neptune means that if it, if what you're doing isn't aligned with what's really real or what's capital T true for you, then you're going to have some frustration because issues aren't going to unfold well. Now, if it, what you're doing is aligned, like it's not just that you are, you know, acting out or you're just you know, deciding that, oh, now I just need to go do something. Um, if it's not aligned, then you'll have tension. If it is aligned, then you'll find growth opportunities. You'll find things kind of shifting and perspectives that you wouldn't have encountered or wouldn't have thought of, perhaps, revealed through the action. So you do something, and then you learn more about what you're doing, where it can go, what it's about, what your motivation is, if you're open to aligning that action and those choices with what works best for you. If you listen to the show or you're familiar with my work, you'll you'll hear me talk about Mars quite often as this part of our consciousness that needs to say yes and no when appropriate. You know, like yes, please, no, thank you when appropriate. And I have some clients who do ongoing work with me. When I bring it up, they kind of chuckle because we work on it a lot. And it's a way to – like whatever Mars stuff is happening in your life, that um, – is kind of a that's like a muscle in consciousness to on a daily basis about very small things to say yes please and no thank you when they work that's like exercising mars in a minor way that can actually help major mars issues so in sagittarius it just wants to uh, throw off all fetters and just run with it um but again this neptune's trying to keep it in check and neptune has an outer planet uh, moves slowly and may seem to win because your will may feel a little thwarted by circumstance. You know, but if you're aligned, if you're willing to let it align, if you're willing to have that yes no function actually address what's really happening, then it can work a lot better. It can be really great. So anyway, that's a little that's a little current event sample. I'm trying to do that each week uh, just to give you a taste of that. And I do offer subscription service through tdjacobs.com, and subscribers get a bunch of info every month, at least an hour of exclusive info. I give you this like three or four minute thing and they're getting, you know, like an hour of that. So you can sign up for that at any time. New materials of videos and MP3s and even this last this last month when I was about to lose my voice, I did a, a, a typed, you know, PDF write-up of uh, one of the lunations. But covering the lunations and the ingress, the sun's trek through the sign, and it's a user's manual for the month. So I encourage you to check that out at ttjacobs.com. There's a button on the right-hand side of the homepage where you can find out about that. And, uh, yeah, so that's that's the current event thing. It's really good, as you're probably aware, to be aware of what's happening in the sky so you can uh, understand the moment you're living in. And my idea with that subscription service, again, is to do this uh, user's manual for the month because 
like all the time, people I know who either are into astrology or not into it will call me and or I'll happen to run into them and they'll say, oh, what's going on in the sky? You know, what's going on? Is Mercury retrograde or what's going on? Is, you know, something happening with Saturn? And to know what that is about every month uh, enables you, empowers you actually, to meet the moment with conscious awareness so you can see what your choices are. And that's really the focus of uh, what I'm what I'm doing with, with subscription service. It is educational. You you will learn a ton. Like you could do that instead of tutoring with me. You would learn how I think. You would learn how I frame frame things and how I observe the sky, you know, as a clock and all these great great stuff. But it's also about this awareness of the present moment, so you can know what's happening and know how to meet it. So uh, stick with me. Uh, this is Tom Jacobs on the Soul's Journey. I'm going to take my first break. I'll be right back. Positive thoughts, tried to forgive yourself and others for everything, and read piles of self-help books and still feel stuck? Call evolutionary astrologer and channel Tom Jacobs. Consultations with Tom reveal the core of what hurts you and holds you back. Tom changes clients' lives with a personalized blend of evolutionary astrology, messages from spirit guides, Channeling and energy work with Ascended Master Jehudi and Archangel Metatron, chakra cleaning and rebalancing, past life integration, and teaching you to transform what you are manifesting. Tom will provide whatever you need to move through knots, blocks, or bruises. To book a life-changing session with Tom Jacobs, call 213-925-6019 or visit tdjacobs.com ever wondered what your soul is how about how to create a meaningful life to make the most of your time on earth in the important new channeled book conscious living conscious dying ascended master jehudi aka thoth and saint germain explains soul life and death to support you in living a meaningful life now it opens with a description of soul and how it informs and experiences your human life. Creating a meaningful life and an in-depth exploration of death follow, making this a must-have for all humans. Conscious Living, Conscious Dying provides a roadmap for making peace with the reality of life and the fact of death to free you to make the most of your time on Earth. Get your copy of Conscious Living, Conscious Dying now on Amazon, Kindle, or at tdjacobs.com. Welcome back to The Soul's Journey. This is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com, currently uh, live in Portland, Oregon, uh, en enjoying my Neptune IC line, a break from my Saturn Midheaven line. Um, I want to talk for a minute, just really briefly. I just, I find, I, I think this happens every year when I'm looking at uh, upcoming birthdays of well-known people on Astro.com, and and I see Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Oliver Stone are born on the same day. You know, not 
the same time of day. One has Gemini rising, the other has Scorpio rising. Um, but they both have Taurus moon, so they're on the same day. You know, everything's, uh, you know, the same except for the houses. And I, I love the idea of kind of like, you know, astro twins or, you know, people you can, you can look at and kind of look at how their lives, uh, develop differently. So we have these two people in entertainment, and, the, and this is actually a really brief part of the show here. Very brief. But what I want to point out is, um, each has an angular Pluto conjunct Saturn. So, you, you know, Pluto to me represents, maybe you don't know if you're not listening all the time, but Pluto to me represents the empowerment journey that a soul, which is a portion of divine consciousness, or goddess and god, intends that the human figure out, you know, how to do, like how to become empowered through this way of being. So Tommy Lee Jones, for example, has Pluto right on the IC and his conjunct Saturn in the third and it's in Leo. And he talks about, or he mentioned having um, an abusive father. That's actually the end of my story in his chart. Now, Oliver Stone, Pluto and Leo on the midheaven with Saturn. So Saturn actually is right on the midheaven, and then Pluto's in the tenth, obviously both in Leo. And so Oliver Stone did not have that experience at home. He enlisted in the military and went to Vietnam and had a Plutonian experience publicly. That's just kind of a little thing that that I, I notice every year when their charts pop up on the on the kind of birthday radar. I just think it's fascinating to look at that, where um, they are very different people, but they have this similar signature with this with these uh, angular Plutos, these emphasized Plutos. And when you have a planet on an angle, or even in angular houses, this the planet's kind of loud and can uh, really be visible in that part of life. In this case, with the IC, the beginning of the fourth house at home, Pluto and Leo, Saturn issues. Pluto and Leto conjunct Saturn issues are active in Jones's home, but then Oliver Stone goes out in public and finds them, you know, through enlisting in the military. So I, just, I think that's, uh, I just think that's fascinating. I notice it every year, and maybe I can get it out of my system by spending these two minutes on the radio show uh, to point out to you um, that a lot of people actually don't consider Pluto that important. Of course, you're listening to. You know, among the many things I do, evolutionary astrology is one of those things. And so evolutionary astrology does emphasize Pluto. And then what I'm doing that kind of takes a bit of a different direction than the two major schools of thought that have come before um, is looking at a, a particular model of what soul is that has to do uh, well, which is channeled from the Ascended Master Jehudi, also known as Thoth and Saint Germain and Merlin, that I that I work with. Basically, I was studying what people and astrologers and uh, well, people including astrologers and religious traditions said about soul, and I was like, no, that's not right. That can't be right. It doesn't feel true. It didn't vibrate as true. And uh, so I said, are there any benevolent beings hanging around out there who could help me with this? And I kind of did it tongue in cheek, but. That is what happened. Jehudi started coming forward as Thoth. And after five years, I figured out who it was, meaning I trusted this vibration because it felt true. So anyway, if you're interested in that, the Soul's Journey trilogy of books uh, explains all that and how I do astrology. Actually, a tutoring student um, said to me last week that she started reading the Soul's Journey 1. We've been working for a few months on astrology stuff and uh, through tutoring. And she didn't realize it was an astrology book. So obviously, my marketing is failing. Uh, just miserably. She thought it was maybe anecdotes about something or something like that or my personal stories. And, and the third volume is, but it's an astrology book analyzing my chart from 19 different you know perspectives given other lives, uh, past life memories. So anyway, if you want to understand how I do astrology, check out those books on Kindle and Amazon and also through tdjacobs.com.
So um, and then I want to talk a little about Lance Armstrong, whose birthday is tomorrow. And I've been thinking about him off and on for a few years, I, even before he admitted and did this public, um, you know, this public admission of having uh, been doped when he won all those uh, Tour de France uh, victories. Uh, even before that, I was looking at his Pluto-Sun conjunction in Virgo with Venus and Libra and early Libra conjunct those things. And I was um, waiting for something to happen like that. Not that I was intuitive, you know, not that I was like psychically picking up on that, that he had been doping, but I was looking at that and realizing what some of the implications of Sun Pluto can be. And his south node's in Leo, so Sun is a south node ruler, so he and many lives, in other words, will show up, and this is all explained in the Soul's Journey trilogy, uh, but he will show up in many lives as a Pluto and Virgo slash Venus and Libra figure. And being a Pluto figure in many lives, where it's conjunct the south node ruler, leads to a lot of pressure. A tremendous amount of pressure. And in Virgo, to be perfect or to be better, always to be better. So, and then Venus and Libra can be, um, you know, taking the reactions of other people when it's tied in with Pluto like that, uh, very seriously. And so you might actually shape some of your behavior, in his case, to win. You know, shape some of his things and kind of even fool people. That's a, that can be a Venus Pluto thing, a Venus and Libra conjunct Pluto and Virgo thing. So anyway, I'm going to give you his uh, birth date just because so, I'm going to talk about his chart just a little more than those other two dudes whom you can look up pretty easily. Um, where is it? Okay, so 18 September 1971, no birth time in Plano, Texas. That's P-L-A and like Nancy O, Plano, Texas. And so we don't have a birth time. We don't see houses. But, um, e you know, even just looking at that, um, that sun – Pluto Venus conjunction. It's uh, it's just very loud. So South Node's in Leo. So there's this um, this conditioning over many lives about Leo things. Now shining, being the center of attention, personal expression. Uh, Leo is one of the archetypes. Uh, you figure figure um, fire signs can relate fire fire archetypes like Mars, Jupiter, Saturn may may at different you know ways of looking at it uh, relate to athleticism and kind of physicality and kind of you know fire you know bringing fire and um, so the South Nodes in Leo so he over many lives is actually uh, ex experiencing a lot of stuff about what it's like to have an ego. Well, what should it be? What should an ego be? Should it be big? Should it be humble? Should it be small? Should it be quiet? Should it be loud? Like all these questions can come with a Leo South Node. And uh, then we look at the ruler of it, Sun, and that's what's in Virgo. So he shows up as a Virgo figure with his Plutonian edge and also this Venus and Libra uh, situation too. And then also um, adding in some asteroids I use, um, asteroid uh, – 433 is Eros, about creative passion, and that is actually a uh, conjunct the sun pretty tightly within just a few minutes of, of, uh, of, of orb. And uh, so he shows up as very passionate about being better, about being, you know, not necessarily better than other people, but being, getting better at things, improving things, the Virgo mandate. So, um, so that's why I was looking at that for several years before he even, you know, admitted several years ago that, that he was, um, you know, that he had, he had doped. So anyway, so when you live a Pluto story, sometimes you're lying. Like sometimes you're manipulating people, especially with this Venus and Libra there. You know, all these different things can happen. But also, if you're a Pluto figure and being such a public person, 
you may also experience shame, which is a huge part of uh, Pluto in Virgo. Also Pluto in Capricorn. Little kids born now since the early 2008 and now um, – uh, have that as part of their karmic signature too, because there's an element of an external benchmark. You know, put on Capricorn, there's an external benchmark of should. And with put on Virgo, as I'm going to get into in a few minutes, there's, there's, um, an internal critic that's, that's been shaped by external criticism. And the more internally critical you are, the more, or aware of what's not perfect even. That's one way to be critical. You know, it's kind of the beginning of it. Like the, the gateway behavior, you know, the gateway uh, thought, uh, then you draw other people to criticize you. So it kind of like chicken or the egg, but basically it's happening externally and internally. And, um, yeah, when you live a public Pluto story, sometimes it involves being shamed like, like, like he uh, certainly has. And, uh, I watched a little bit of the, of the interview, maybe within the last year, I was talking about this with a client, I think, and the client said, you know, you can see that, interview with Oprah, which I think is where he did it or wherever he did it. Um, and I watched a few minutes of it and just like, it was almost kind of like too much theater for me just because I already knew it was going to happen. I knew something like it was going to happen, you know, like some kind of shameful story or whatever that he regrets and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so that's just, um, that's an interesting uh, thing there. And then the last thing to mention with his chart, you know, oh, well, first just understand that Pluto in every person is this mandate to, uh, Try to create a meaningful life. Like Neptune's where you actually find meaning externally and within you. Neptune's where you connect with what's capital T true and you, and you, um, feel part of the greater fabric of creation. But Pluto is where you do things to develop power in different ways. And as you've heard me talk about on the show and I talk about in these books, uh, The Soul's Journey one, two, and three, external models of power have proliferated, you know, over Earth history and very few people connect with inner sources of power, which is absolute, unflinching, unashamed self-knowledge and absolute, unflinching, unashamed self-acceptance. That's the model for Plutonian empowerment that I'm uh, you know, harping on over and over again. Uh, but if you tie it to being the winner or if you tie it to having a certain time on a course, if you tie it to certain things that you know, a competitive cyclist may experience, then you, know, you may not measure up. And if you have this productivity mandate in place – you know, there's a lot of pressure. It's like all attached or all running through your emotional body, the pressure of Pluto and Virgo. That's one of the things about Pluto. It, it describes something that's happening in very deep levels of our, our emotional bodies that actually tie us to our other soul or souls, other lives elsewhere on the timeline. So it's really important to understand um, that the soul experiences all of your lives simultaneously and you experience the effects of other lives in your emotional body, which is to say, through your feeling states and your fears and passions and uh, avoidances and uh, attractions and different things. So given that setup, Mars conjunct the North Node. Mars has been missing. And uh, Mars, I'll, I'll quote, or kind of quote, or at least you know, point to my teacher Steve Forrest. He talks about, sometimes I've heard him say, Mars being a sword. Like you could use it to be aggressive or to defend yourself or just to know that you could and carry a sword. But how are you going to use that sword? And uh, Mars Conjunct the North Node says that this is missing in a bunch of Armstrong's lives. How to do Mars well. And for some people, you they create a vacuum by not doing Mars in this scenario. And for other people, they will do it in a way that they think it should be done. They'll have preconceptions that maybe don't really serve them. 
uh, like for example, Donald Trump, I use this example all the time because I just find him fascinating because of the theater. Like I couldn't watch Lance Armstrong's shameful admission thing with them in full, but I'll like, I'll like, you know, take 10 seconds of Donald Trump anytime because he's so expletiving, entertaining in his absurdity. But he has a Gemini son in the 10th house north node conjuncted so he has an idea of what it means to have an ego and then he goes out there and does this bombastic thing but it's an idea of it it's a caricature so same thing with mars for lance armstrong mars has been missing so he's got an idea of what it looks like other people get to do it i'm bound to determine to do it mars in some sense is competition well what's the right way to do competition what's the right way to compete and all of this is filtered through the pressure that lance armstrong would have felt because of the Leo South and with the sun or with the ruler sun conjunct uh, Pluto and Venus measuring up and measuring up to the expectations of others and kind of, ha- you know, having this kind of constructed image uh, that's, that's a lie. So anyway, thanks for indulging me on that. Uh, just kind of, kind of interesting. Of course, there are lots of other things to look at uh, in all, in all charts, but that's uh, what I wanted to cover with that. Um, now I want to uh, begin this little process of, Looking more of, of uh, Pluto and Virgo. And uh, these are uh, all the births, just for your reference, from about 1957 to 58. Like there's some – some people wonder 58 who have Pluto and, and Leo where it retrograded back. Uh, up to 1971-72. So some people, you know, in uh, – 19, yeah, anyway, you know, at the other end with the retrograde, it's kind of, you know, there's a little fudge factor in there because, because it moves slowly, it retrogrades and, and then goes direct. So anyway, all the people born in the 60s, for sure, and then, you know, for a few years prior and for a year or two after, have Pluto in, in Virgo. And this is a soul level intention that the human become empowered through a Virgo lens. So with a Virgo motivation, doing Virgo type things. And Virgo is about learning humility or being humiliated. It's about service. That's usually the first word, service, helping, healing, all that kind of comes up. It's also about responsibility. And it is about uh, duty, uh, what you're obliged to do, what you take on as a responsibility that may feel like a duty. So it is about service, humility, being a team member, sacrificing certain things about personal interest in order to be of service to others or to fit in as part of a team, like think about think about um, you know people who you know get up really early in the morning to go do that team sport thing before work or whatever or before classes in, in school, and there's a um, there's a there's a Virgoan kind of element of uh, of a uh, you know d- of doing that kind of, kind of that energy of sacrifice you know a little bit. So Pluto and Virgo says these people need to become empowered through exploring different ways of approaching responsibility and different ways of uh, being analytical, of organizing things, of looking at what should be happening, looking at what isn't perfect. People with Pluto and Virgo tend to have a superhero or superheroine skill of observing what isn't perfect and how they respond to that is uh, everything, frankly, because they can be very good at like expert, like professional critics, or they can be professional humiliators of others or professionally self-humiliating uh, and, and underestimating the self and perceiving that they're never ready to actually do something, always in school, always learning because it's never perfect. This is a Pluto and Virgo kind of idea. Um, and 
So the soul observes, oh, okay, well, in this life, given these variables, and again, check out the Soul's Journey trilogy of books to really understand all this stuff. I'm spelling it out in laborious detail in those three books. Um, the soul, you know, in this life, here's this skin color, here's that religion. In this other life, it's a different religion, same skin color, same different context. Like in this life, that skin color is the majority. In this life, other life, it's a minority. Like all these different variables of all these different things about life with gender, uh, sexual orientation, economic – uh, issues, educational level, you know, again, these physical attributes, religious beliefs, all these different variables. And the soul says, uh, okay, well, let me figure out how to observe what isn't perfect and, and try to figure out what to do. Because some people with Pluto and Virgo will be very quick to uh, take on responsibility and some people won't. And, you know, some people will feel very obligated to do things and some people won't. And it's about the individual response to the soul-level mandate to learn through the lens of Virgo about how to become empowered and strong. Now it's time for the second break. This is Tom Jacobs on The Soul's Journey. Stick with me. I will be right back with more on this, including the opposition to Chiron and Pisces during the 60s. wondered what your soul is? How about how to create a meaningful life to make the most of your time on earth? In the important new channeled book, Conscious Living, Conscious Dying, Ascended Master Jehudi, aka Thoth and Saint Germain, explains soul, life and death to support you in living a meaningful life now. It opens with a description of soul and how it informs and experiences your human life. Creating a meaningful life and an in-depth exploration of death follow, making this a must-have for all humans. Conscious Living, Conscious Dying provides a roadmap for making peace with the reality of life and the fact of death to free you to make the most of your time on Earth. Get your copy of Conscious Living, Conscious Dying now on Amazon, Kindle, or at tdjacobs.com. When you've thought positive thoughts, tried to forgive yourself and others for everything, and read piles of self-help books and still feel stuck, call evolutionary astrologer and channel Tom Jacobs. Consultations with Tom reveal the core of what hurts you and holds you back. Tom changes clients' lives with a personalized blend of evolutionary astrology, messages from spirit guides, channeling and energy work with Ascended Master Jehudi and Archangel Metatron, chakra cleaning and rebalancing, past life integration, and teaching you to transform what you are manifesting. Tom will provide whatever you need to move through knots, blocks, or bruises. To book a life-changing session with Tom Jacobs, call 213-925-6019 or visit tdjacobs.com. Welcome 
Welcome back to The Soul's Journey. This is Tom Jacobs from tdjacobs.com. Living in Tucson at this point, but visiting Portland, Oregon. Excited to do an event in Vancouver, Washington tomorrow the 18th. uh, Meditation channeling event and also Saturday the 20th in uh, northeast Portland. So you can check all that information at tdjacobs.com. So I'm talking about um, Virgo Pluto. And one thing I meant to say toward the beginning when I was figuring out what the show was going to be about – um, this kind of grab bag idea. One thing I wanted to preface it with, which I forgot about, is that, uh, you know, in evolutionary astrology, we'll treat Pluto as important, but outside of evolutionary astrology, you know, it's just, just, um, most kinds of astrology that, that, you know, if they recognize Pluto, they may not consider signs as important. You'll, you'll read that. You'll, you'll find out that, you know, you'll read an interpretation in a book or on a website. And it'll say, uh, you know, it's not that important because it's a generational influence. But from my perspective, it ties, you know, it relates to our emotional body and therefore ties together the emotional imprints of empowerment and disempowerment of like real strength and passion versus real, you know, crappy powerlessness in certain lives or feeling like things are stripped away from us and we're disempowered. And it carries that, you know, in this really relevant way into our day-to-day lives. And if you look at what you're really afraid of, if you look at what really makes you nervous about what you might do or what might happen to you, if you really get down into Plutonian territory in a deep way, uh, you'll find that Pluto really does matter and the sign really does matter. So uh, with Pluto and Virgo, the, the intention of the soul is to be useful, to figure out how to be useful navigate being of service, what that means, what it costs, and uh, to observe what isn't perfect and then decide, you know, what is going to be done as a result of whatever that is. And again, these are the births from about 1957, 58 up to like 71, 72. So it's quite a large number of people. And People with Pluto and Virgo tend to be hard on themselves and hard on others. And as I as I may say on the show periodically, I have a soft spot in my heart for people with Pluto and Virgo because the analytic function that can become self-criticism and then, of course, is manifest around them and criticism from others or the fear of criticism from others, it kind of breaks my heart a little bit. Like I just want to shake all the people with Pluto and Virgo I work with by the lapels and say – if you could only see what's really happening here, you would not be so hard on yourself. You know, so I have this little soft spot on my heart, and whenever I do Pluto stuff, it usually, you know, and I'm gonna like talk about a sign or whatever. I usually start with the Virgo thing. Like I have Pluto and Libra. I don't. Even, this isn't even my signature, <laughs> but Pluto and Libra, I want more peace, right, and more getting along. And I see that that Virgo wound or that Virgo pain of criticism and self-judgment and shame and self-hatred sometimes, and sometimes self-destructiveness because of it, as just really, um, just really, really supremely crappy. And uh, so I, so I, I often uh, think I'm going to do some big thing about Pluto and Virgo because I want people to understand how to let themselves off the hook for these things. So you need to be useful if you choose to do it with Pluto and Virgo natally. If you choose to do it, it can be done in many, many different ways. Um, if you don't choose to do it, you may have judgment and other people may manifest your own judgment and criticize you for not doing something well enough or not doing it. So there's this whole thing about empowerment through actively helping others or serving. Uh, making things better is a great 
uh, kind of umbrella to talk about this, this Virgo impulse, the, 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 the motivation and method of Virgo. Um, and of course, detail-oriented work within that, hands-on, detail-oriented work to actually make something better. It's, it's the, the, the sign where you learn through you know, hands-on work. Uh, when it goes wrong, the people haven't been able to accomplish what they set out to do. That can lead to guilt, shame, self-judgment, or whatever, potentially. Uh, and also when it goes wrong, sometimes that is taking something on that can't actually be accomplished, but they don't know that right away. So often when I'm working with people put on Virgo who are dealing with judgment issues, we'll open up a meditation space, call on the guides, bring in the Ascended Master, the Archangel, and do this energy work, which is to re- have them release themselves from vows and promises across time of getting certain things done or trying to help people who can't be helped or don't want help or trying to be useful in a way that wasn't appropriate or that didn't work, something like this. So that leads me to the, the opposition to Chiron and Pisces. Um, Chiron was in Pisces for about nine years. It's in Aries and Pisces about nine years each time, each 50-year orbit, and then it's in lesser time or, or fewer years for all the other signs down to um, what are the opposites of that, Libra and Virgo, where it's there for about a year and a half or so. So about nine years in Aries, uh, Pisces each at you know at the, the slower part or the further away part. And then the... Uh, thinner part of the orbit or whatever. It's elliptical, uh, a year and a half in the, in the opposite signs. So um, a lot of people have this, you know, almost a decade worth of births have this uh, Pisces signature. And what it means, uh, I treat Chiron as the energy antenna. I keep thinking I'm going to do a Chiron show soon. Because for me, I wrote a book um, several years ago, and um, I was talking to my girlfriend about doing webinars soon, and she said, you know, people really – really are still into the Chiron thing. And I was like, really? Because I was like, well, I already produced this work. I promoted it for several years and like, you know, did all this stuff. And I was like, oh, that's right. Um, I stopped promoting it. So anyway, so I think I'm going to do Chiron stuff soon, probably a webinar later in the year um, to, to revive that. But there is a book called Chiron 2012 in the Aquarian Age, The Key and How to Use It. And Chiron in that book is explained as the energy antenna. And it's a, it's a brand new interpretation. I mean, Relative to you know forty almost forty years of Chiron stuff in astrology, because it goes beyond psychological. It goes beyond what it means to be wounded or be a wounded healer. You don't have just those two options. You have a third option, and that book goes into it, and it's pretty amazing stuff channeled from Saint Germain. You know, part of the Ascended Master, a face of him that I channel, and um, the energy antenna, experiencing emotion, feeling uh, energy around you. Well, that's emotion. And what we tend to remember, what we tend to pick up on and carry with us or have an awareness of can be difficult emotions, grief, pain, anger, powerlessness, rage, all these things that, you know, we don't want to hang out with a lot. Uh, helplessness, self-pity, this kind of thing can be also kind of a Chiron thing. And in Pisces, sometimes it's hard to get a handle on how to heal a wound or how to address something. Because in Pisces, you're supposed to go with the flow. So you may be absorbent. You may be a sponge for the energies, including suffering, pain, and you know woundedness of others. So people would put on Virgo. And Chiron's in Pisces now. So these people are having Chiron returns right now, which is part of the reason I'm bringing this up. Uh, uh, Chiron's, I think, about 14 uh, Pisces. It's retrograding right now. Um, and... Uh, you know, so people are having these having these returns, which is like this boost of Chiron energy. If you haven't figured out what to do with woundedness or how to come out of that 
victim thing or the pain thing, you know, then, then it gets louder at the return around age 50. So people with Pluto and Virgo need to be specific. That's a Virgo thing. To be empowered, they have to be useful, productive. They have to go to bed, you know, on time and get up on time and show up when they say they will. Like this, like to do the Virgo thing well, there's a lot of hands on practicality. The opposition to Chiron and Pisces is that the wounding of other people can derail them. This is a key to most of the people who were born in the 1960s. This is a key to them because they're trying to be specific and they'll keep encountering, you know, non-specific people or people who can't get specific. And so there can be this layering effect of, uh, that can lead to, you know, I'm trying to be specific, but you won't take me up on it. So different responses include overworking to try to help people who don't really want it or can't really use it. Like I, I have these six things you should do. Here are those herbs. Here are those seeds. Let's you know do this thing for your diet to help you with this problem. I care about you. And the other person's like happy to be led around by the hand but can't take responsibility. So this person goes like, works overtime, the Pluto and Virgo person. And then this that, that Pluto and Virgo person can get to the place where I don't want to help anybody because look at all the time I've wasted. I've never gotten done what I need to get done. That's an opposition to Pluto kind of energy. I may be drawn into it because I'm trying to do it better, right? Opposition to Pluto and Virgo. I'm trying to be useful. I'm working hard. And remember, they have this thing about responsibility and duty and obligation. So some of them will, will overdo it. Some of them will then shut down because they can't feel productive. And then they feel crappy because they shut down. So that, you know, some of them don't have their hearts open because the cost is too great. Then I'm just aware of all your problems world, you know, like world full of people. <laughs> so, um, you know, so you have, you have some people overworking and being very compassionate, but in a hands-on way that kind of robs them of their energy because they don't know they have a choice on where to be of service. And then some of them who are burned out and refuse to be of service. And some of them who are actively cultivating, like actively cultivating a, a space of non-responsibility, non-obligation, non, non-dutifulness and, uh, you know, not doing things. And that, that's part of the response here. But what it means karmically is that in a bunch of lives, this very specific behavior of help and service can be drained or siphoned off or, or sometimes, you know, vampirized by people who don't know how to be responsible or take the cues and actually help themselves. So like I say, like, you know, I was saying earlier about doing something for somebody and they're happy to have their hand held. Well, no, like Pluto and Virgo people don't want to hold everyone's hand unless they have some kind of savior or messiah complex. They want change. They want real pr productivity to happen. Like they want the thing to get fixed so they can move on and be people and not just the functions of whatever's wrong with their loved one's emotional crap. Anyway, so, so there's that, there's that process that happens. That's the karmic thing. I am confounded. I am blocked. Opposition. You know, I am challenged. I am distracted. I am stymied by the suffering around me or what needs to get done. Then on the personality level, these people have Chiron and Pisces also. So this is one of the things that really kind of opens my heart to this subgeneration of people because they're trying to figure out how to deal with the pain and suffering in the world around them, but they may not get the cue that they also have this Chiron and Pisces on the personality level. So they possess within them the possibility 
of being the kind of person who confounds stymies and opposes them. Chiron and Pisces. So now you're at your Chiron return. People born in the 60s, you know, at least you're coming up on it. Uh, right now we're talking about people born in the mid 60s, right? 2014, about 50 years old. You're in your Chiron return and you're confronted with becoming more sensitive, more aware of emotion, more willing to be compassionate in the face of suffering. And this opposes Pluto. It's confounding. What am I supposed to do with this? So if you're hearing this, you're born, you know, in the mid 60s, say 63 to 65 at this point, you're definitely having your Chiron return and you're getting this opportunity. Well, that's a nice way to say it. You're getting this, um, louder than normal thing about how am I supposed to respond to pain and suffering? How am I supposed to deal with, with other people's stuff? Now, Chiron and Pisces, or the, the Chiron in general, will be the energy antenna for all kinds of emotions. But you don't dread observing that this person over here feels joyful. <laughs> you don't dread noticing that your coworker is content and satisfied with her life. <laughs> you know, like, you know, like this gentle beaming of happiness and joy does not get on your radar because it's not uncomfortable. Because with Chiron, we're absorbent, potentially, of other people's stuff. We're aware of that stuff, and we may internalize it. So anyway, all of this to just uh, kind of un unravel for you some some perspectives on uh, this this Pluto and Virgo, this mandate to be useful and helpful and, and uh, responsible, versus this opposition to Chiron and Pisces. It's really um, it's really quite it's really quite a thing. If you have this, explore what it means to be compassionate. What do you believe that means? What would one have to do in order to be compassionate? Is it a state of mind? Is it a is it a state of, of activity? You know, looking at those assumptions and presumptions, you know, is important. Looking at, you know, what do I do in the face of other people's pain and suffering? When I'm just in a restaurant and the person three tables over starts crying, it's not even that loud. It's not an outburst. But you can tell. Or this other person is laughing so loudly that it's kind of annoying and you're feeling the energy of it. What do I do with that? So, you know, you get this opportunity at your return to explore all these different things. So uh, if you like the show, which, uh, you know, lots of people subscribe to it and I get lots of great comments about it, uh, it does cost money to produce and put on. It takes a lot of energy, too, to come up with content and then spend an hour every week doing this. Support the show through donations. I'd really appreciate all of your all of your support. To be honest with you, very little support comes in, but I'm asking again for your support. I know people love this show. People love getting stuff for free. You get a free lecture every week, uh, but it really helps me when you donate to support the show. And also, uh, I'm in Portland. Check out my site for events. And, uh, you know, I've forgotten to mention for a few months, but the sliding scale for readings is still in play. You can get a life-changing, uh, transformative uh, session with me for not that much money. Check all that out at tdjacobs.com and uh, register for the Daily Energy Work in October, and I will talk to you live next week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Soul's Journey with Tom Jacobs, a fresh look at astrology and soul inspired by channeled wisdom. For more information, tune in every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Pacific. Connect with Tom directly via www.tdjacobs.com. That's tdjacobs.com.